Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you and bless you for this day. We pray now that as your word goes forth, it will find fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people, that we would be more than just hearers of your word. We would be doers as well. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we were concluding this sermon series, I began to think about some of my favorite and most powerful songs around the subject of prayer. And I wanted to get a rendering of an old classic called Pray For Me. Um, Master Control, I need you all to do me a favor. I got a little, little twist to throw at you. Thank me later for this. So I need you to give me about a minute, maybe the first pass through of the 8 o'clock version, and then I want to play the 10 o'clock version that I gave you the link for. And the reason I want to do that is because it's very, very interesting to me how messages can remain the same even if the form of that message changes. So the first version is a version that I played at 8 o'clock. And for those of you who are churchgoers or kind of churchy, this will be the version that you are familiar with. If you're ready, go on and play that first version.
fight the world, I fight you, I fight myself. I fight God, just tell me how many burdens left. I fight pain and hurricanes, today I wept. I'm trying to fight back tears, flood on my doorsteps. Life is living hell, puddles of blood in the street. Shooters on top of the building, government aid ain't relief. Earthquake, the body drop, the ground breaks. The poor run with smoke lungs and scar face. Who need a hero? Hero. You need a hero. Look in the mirror, there go your hero. Who on the front lines at ground zero? Hero. My heart don't skip a beat even when hard times bumps the needle. Mass destruction and mass corruption. The souls are suffering men. Clutching on deaf ears again. Rapture is coming. It's all prophecy. And if I gotta be sacrificed for the greater good, then that's what it gotta be. found interesting about looking at those two concepts around prayer is is one everybody needs prayer uh, regardless of the generation you're part of and regardless of whether or not you're aware of it everybody's need of prayer but here's the other thing I figured out about all these prayer songs like 99% of them are straight selfish like, who's going to pray for me? Not who are you going to pray for. All right. right? Who's going to pray for me? Who's going to take my pain? Pray for me. Somebody pray for me. It's all about somebody praying for us. And what we fail to understand as believers is, while it is in line to request prayer, it is also expected of you to respond in prayer, to give prayer, to ask somebody, hey, how can I pray for you? Uh, One of the most powerful images, one of the most powerful, I think, shirts, not because it's bright orange in color, but because of the message on the shirt, it's worn by our prayer warriors at the community empowerment events and anywhere we go to minister and the shirt simply asks the question, can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Right? And it's amazing how powerful and disarming this idea of prayer is. When people don't want to hear preaching, they're open to having you pray for them. When people don't want to come to church, you can still pray for them. I've shocked some of the biggest sinners I've come in contact with because when they hear that I am a preacher, they expect me to start pontificating. And I'll simply disarm them by saying, hey, how can I pray for you? Is there something you're going through or dealing with? And if there's nothing, then I'll just pray for you in general. Today I want to talk to you from this thought as we conclude this series on prayer, I want to talk to you from the thought, pray for me and I'll pray for you. Pray for me and I'll pray for you. Now, one of the challenges with prayer is that we typically have designated prayers in our family. Whether it's big daddy or big mama or the pastor, the preacher, or one of the more committed Christians in the family, 
they become the go-to person for prayer. Yeah. Uh, it's always amazing to me, wherever I go, it's time for grace. They say, okay, it's time for grace, and every head turns and looks to me. I'm like, Yo, hey, I ain't praying no more. <laughs> I'm on vacation. Some of y'all talk to God for yourself. Today, I want to encourage you to take up that mantle of prayer, to help see yourself as a viable vehicle to contact heaven and to see God move. Here's the first thing. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Number one, you must learn how to pray for each other. You must learn how to pray for each other. I want you to circle that word for. That preposition is intentional. It's not just praying with each other. It's praying for each other. Look at what James 5.16 says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Over 60 times in the Bible, we see the phrase one another attached to some kind of command or some kind of expectation. Whether it's encouraging one another or loving one another, or forgiving one another, or restoring one another. This idea of the one another's is critically important. It's vital to being a Christian because the horizontal relationship we have with each other is to be a display of the vertical relationship we have with God. God says in his word, you cannot love me whom you have never seen and not love those you see every day. We all have to understand that the one another, we can't be Christians in isolation and then prove that we really love God. Because how much you love God is seen in how you treat one another. So he says, pray, uh, make a request unto God. Express a wish unto God. It is an inferior going to a superior asking for intercession. And that word for one another in the original language is really one word. And it speaks to reduplication, uh, almost like a, a, a Xerox copy. We're going to uh, exchange and pray for one another. Now, the reason I had you circle that word for is because sometimes we pray with one another and still not pray for one another. Let me give you an example. Husbands and wives, maybe you have a time of devotion where you pray with each other. And you're going to pray for the world and you're going to pray for your children and you're going to pray for your family and you may pray for your marriage and all of that is well and good. But do you pray for each other? How specific are you in your praying for your spouse. So, for example, if your spouse has an anger problem, you know you have an anger problem, and your spouse knows you have an anger problem. You're not really informing God of anything, and there's no need in living in denial. Can we take that matter to God and pray for our spouses in that matter with them next to us? Can we pray for our challenges? Can we pray in those areas where we are struggling and trying to grow? Can we pray? See, typically, here's what happens. We don't pray for each other. We criticize each other. We don't pray for each other. We talk about each other. 
We don't pray for each other. We lift ourselves up sometimes at the expense of those that we should be lifting up. He says, pray for one another. I help you when I pray for you. You help me when you pray for me. And we help each other when we learn the power of exchanging our prayers for one another. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I want you to underline that last phrase in verse 1, made for all people, that our prayers and intercessions should be made for all people. And I submit to you, there's some people that you're angry at that you haven't really been praying for. There's some people who have got on your last nerve that you have not taken the time to pray for consistently. And God challenges us to pray for each other. Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to realize your prayers for someone can make a difference in their life. Your prayer for someone can make a difference in their life. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now for some of you, you don't see yourselves as a person of prayer. You ask somebody else to pray for you. Pastor, please pray for me. You're going to submit a prayer request on the in-touch card. But do you recognize and understand that you are a powerful person of prayer just waiting for your potential to be unleashed? See, the truth of the matter is, it's not about who you are in terms of your prayer life as much as to whom you are praying. See, you may say, well, you know what, Pastor, I'm going to ask you to pray because, you know, you can, you can get a prayer through. As if you can't get a prayer through. Right? And the truth of the matter is, it's really not about who you think can get the prayer through. It's about to whom you are praying and where your faith is being exercised. Have you ever seen a preacher on television talking about, yeah, come up, come up. Uh, I've got enough faith for both of us. Well, guess what? If your faith can get me there, I'm still going to need my faith to keep me there. And I need to recognize the power that God has placed within me to exercise my own faith to call out to God. Doesn't mean you don't ask somebody to pray for you and pray with you. But what it does mean is you don't put your prayer life solely in the hands of somebody else as if you can't pray. That word for prayer there literally means supplication, a, a, a request that's based upon a special need. Um, this is like a for real prayer. It's not a now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. This is one of those crying, snotting, ugly, makeup, messed up, mascara running, don't care who hears prayer because I really need God 
to step in and I really need God to intercede. Now watch this. Look at A. Pray for others. Pray for them. There's a specificity there that needs to be present. But also B, pray with others. There's something powerful about praying with somebody, especially when that somebody is praying for you and you're praying for them. Because watch this. If I need somebody to pray for me, and if you need somebody to pray for you, and we both pray for each other, then we both get what we need. Instead of me sitting there saying, well, you pray for me. And I said, well, yeah, okay, I'm, but you pray for me. And so both of us are waiting for somebody to pray for us, not understanding that we both have the power to pray for one another. So watch what James says. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, that word for righteous speaks to being innocent. Uh, there's a sense of holiness and righteousness and honesty that's tied to it, but not perfection. There's a commitment of character there that the Bible says must be present in order for God to really do a great work through us. We're all in the process of becoming. But even though we cannot live a sinless life, are we committed to sinning less? Are we committed to our continued growth in becoming all that God wants us to be. And then it's amazing because James moves and gives us an example of what a person could look like who was used by God. He goes down to verse 17 and he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Now let's be honest. Normally when we read the Bible, we see those people in the Bible as like super saints, like able to leap tall Bibles in a single bound, right? Faster than a speeding blessing. I mean, we, we project back on them a level of spirituality that would scare some of them if they heard what you thought of them. Because what we see in the Bible are really the stories of broken, fragile, frail creatures, some of whom made a commitment to God and God moved beyond their ability and displayed his power through their lives. And God can do the same thing with you. So James says, listen, this brother Elijah, man, he had passions just like we. He had struggles and he had doubts just like we had. He went through issues just like you go through issues. But he prayed to God because the power was not in him. The power was in God. Elijah was an ordinary guy that was used by an extraordinary God to do extraordinary things. And God can do the same thing for you. So he says, pray and pray earnestly. Look at Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Let's read Ephesians 6, 18 together. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you must practice praying for each other. You must practice praying 
for each other. Now, I wanted to end this series back where we started. We talked about praying for each other several weeks ago, and then we walked through the Lord's Prayer in the previous series, looking at the principles of Jesus in this prayer. And in what we call the Lord's Prayer, which would be more accurately called the Disciples' Prayer, Jesus does not give us a prayer to be repeated. He gives us a prayer with principles to be practiced. So I want to pull out four of these principles that I want us to practice today. I'm reminded of a sermon preached by our former pastor emeritus, the late Prophet W. Kimball. Uh, It was a sermon that he preached that I believe is a homiletical masterpiece. And some of you remember the title of that sermon, Us is Prayer. And his introduction of that sermon was, so powerful as he reflected on the colloquialisms of our foreparents, some of whom had not learned how to speak the king's English and so did not always agree subjects and verbs and didn't always know how to conjugate a verb. And sometimes they would use us instead of we. And the presence of the us in the Lord's prayer is a presence that many of us ignore. So I want you to look at verses 9 through 13. Specifically, let's go down to verse 13. Give us this day our daily bread. Circle the word us. And forgive us our debts. Circle the word us. As we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation. Guess what I want you to circle? Us. But deliver us from the evil one. Circle the word us. Now, what's interesting is the overwhelming majority of us in here right now and under the sound of my voice, when we pray, there is little us in our prayer. There's me, myself, and I. Lord, help me. Give me my daily bread. Lord, forgive me. Lord, keep me from temptation. Lord, Deliver me from evil. And Jesus says, there ought to be an us's in your prayer. And one of the problems is we're so selfish in our prayers that we don't pray for each other. So look at A. Pray for the daily provision of others. I know you're praying for your kitchen and your cupboard to be full. But are you praying for anybody else? And when we talk about daily provisions, we're not just talking about food and water. Sometimes you need a daily provision of peace of mind. Right? Sometimes you need a daily provision of the grace of God and the mercy of God on your behalf. Look at B. Pray for others to be forgiven for their sins. Listen. When we ask about forgiving somebody, most of us struggle with forgiveness. And if you're able to get to forgiveness, you're still thinking about revenge. You just call yourself being spiritual and take revenge out of your hands and put it in the Lord's hand. You know how you pray, the Lord said vengeance is mine. (laughs) 
So, Lord, get them. Because <laughs> you know they mess with your child. <laughs> Sick them, Lord, in Jesus' name. <laughs> But Jesus says, pray for them to be forgiven. There's there's a power in that prayer principle that Jesus modeled on the cross. Remember the first word when he was being crucified. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus prays for their forgiveness. Now, let's be honest. We struggle. It's hard enough for us to forgive anybody we sure not trying to ask God to forgive them. We're like, look here, baby. You better hunt your own rabbit. You better ask the Lord to forgive you for yourself. But Jesus says there ought to be some prayer for others for the forgiveness of their sins. So when somebody does you wrong, do you ask God to forgive them for your sins? Or are you still struggling to forgive them yourself? Look at C, pray for others to be kept from temptations. Pray for others to be kept from temptations. What happens when somebody falls into a temptation? I told him that fool, he ain't listening to me at all. I, I told him to leave her alone. I told him not to fool that crazy girl, but no, he ain't listen. I told her that Negro was no good. She should have never fooled with him in the first place. See, uh uh-huh, that's what you get when you don't live. Did you pray for them? Because watch this, all of us, all of us are frail, fragile, failing creatures who have to deal with both our wickedness and our weaknesses. And the devil knows how to tailor make a temptation just for you. What tempts you may not tempt me. What tempts me may not tempt you. But we can all pray for each other to be kept from temptation. And look at D. Pray for others to be delivered from evil. Pray for God to bring folk out who have been trapped in. We're not to celebrate when somebody falls. We can't look big when somebody else looks little. God says we got to learn how to pray for each other. Now, here's what I want to do with the time we have left. I am going to ask you to pray for somebody, and then I'm going to ask somebody to pray for you. Now, y'all know I'm not one of those preachers that say, you know, touch your neighbor, tell your neighbor, right? Because, you know, some of y'all don't want to touch your neighbor. I understand. You're like, why I got to touch my neighbor? Why I got to speak to my neighbor? I ain't, why, 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 why? Sitting here minding my business. Why I got to high five five people? Why, why, why? I understand. I feel you. But today, you're going to have to touch your neighbor. So here's what we're going to do. Number one, because you don't know who's sitting around you and you don't know the burden that they came in here with. There's somebody today who came who needs somebody to pray for them. And 
you just might be that person. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand, and I'm going to ask you to get in groups of two, no more than three, max three. And you can't have one of your family members in there with you. I don't want husbands and wives. Husbands and wives, y'all pray at home. Y'all pray here. That's my friend. No, you pray with somebody. I want you to pray with somebody you got to introduce yourself to. You don't know that name. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Shh. I, I almost feel like I'm in school. If you hear my voice, clap your hands once, all right? Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, so here's what I need you to do. Ask him a name. If you have a specific prayer request or prayer request and you're comfortable articulating them, then do that. If not, you may be saying, well, where do I pray for them? Or what area do I pray for? I just gave you four. The daily provisions, pray for them to be forgiven of sins, pray for them to be kept from temptations, pray for them to be delivered from evil, all right? So you got at least four areas you can pray in right then, all right? If you can't stand, raise your hand, somebody will get to you. If you can stand, don't pray with the person right next to you unless you don't know them, okay? And if you've been sitting there all morning, you haven't introduced yourself, shame on them. Husbands and wives, split up. Deacons, trustees, leaders, y'all spread out. Somebody go upstairs. Find somebody you don't know, at least two people, maybe three. Pray for them and have them pray for you.